Uh, let's have a let's have a prayer before we get started. Father, just I pray that you'd be with us, uh, Father, this morning, Heavenly Father, Lord, and just guide us in your words and just open our hearts up to your thoughts. And Father, I just pray that you would just, Lord, be blessed in in the service that we're having. Thank you, Lord, that we're able to have church, continue to have church. Uh, in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. Well, a lot of times I like to look at stories and. I'm encouraged by the fact that Jesus told most of his sermons were uh, in story form, story form. And so there was a time when Jesus, he had just, he was coming back from uh, uh, Caesarea Philippi, and he's on his journey back to Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, uh, crowds are now gathering up around him, and, and they bring a bunch of children. And you know the story. They bring a bunch of children, and all of a sudden the disciples are going like, get these kids away, get these kids away. And uh, Jesus stops them right there. And he says, bring the children to me. And of course, it just surprises everybody that he, that he says this, because this is supposed to be for adults. He says, bring the children to me. And he brings them to him, and he, he, he takes them, and he blesses them. Well, there was a young man that's not very far off here, and he sees Jesus coming, and, uh, and so he runs up to him. And so this is, you know the story, the, the rich young ruler. He runs up to Jesus. He says, Jesus, tell me, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, he said, well, what does the Scripture say? And he says, I keep the law. And Jesus said, have you kept the law? And the young ruler says, I've kept the law in all of his points. And Jesus says this. He says, well, do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. And he gives him this list of the commandments. And the young man says, I've done all of those things. And then Jesus does this. I think he probably holds that one finger up. He says, but there's one thing that you're missing. There's one thing that you haven't done. He knows that in this man's heart, though he has kept the law, he does not love God the way that he should. There's one thing that separates the Father from you, that separates me from you, and that's your possession. There's one thing you need to do. Take your possessions and sell them, and then follow me. Well, the Bible says that the young man looked at that and he thought about that. I'm sure he thought deep down inside, and all of a sudden he went, I cannot do that. I'm not going to do that, Lord. And he turns and he walks away. And I will imagine that Jesus now looks at his disciple and says he made his decision. And I'm reminded of a story, and some of you are going to pick up on this story. And uh, an old cowboy. And that afternoon, him and this young uh, whippersnapper, I guess you would call him. You're going, to, you're going to catch the story in just a minute. That afternoon, they go out on the trail and they're looking for strays. And that afternoon, uh, they build them a campfire, and they're sitting around the fire. And this old cowboy and this young cowboy, this young boy, they didn't get off to a good start. And there's, uh, there's tension between them. And the old cowboy pulls out his big old long bowie knife, and they're sitting around the fire, and he starts sharpening that knife. I wish I had brought a knife. He starts sharpening that knife on a stone. Well, the young cowboy sitting over there, and he's watching this old man, because he thinks he's going to kill him during the night, sharpening that knife, razor blade sharp. And so the young cowboy, he gathers up his nerve. He looks at him. He said, if you're trying to scare me, you're doing a pretty good job. 
He said, but I got to say something. If you're going to kill me tonight, you might as well kill me right now. And in shaking, he pulls out his harmonica out of his pocket. This young cowboy pulls his harmonica out of his pocket. And he begins to blow on it. Now, he doesn't know the tune that he's blowing on. But he begins to blow on it. And it just so happens the old cowboy recognizes a few notes in it. And I wrote, I wrote it down, and so in order not to mess it up, I'm going to go ahead and, just, uh, and just, just hit it. He hit a few notes. The old cowboy pulls up right next to him to fire. You see, they're bonding now. <laughs> These two guys are now becoming best friends. And the old cowboy, he says, See them tumbling down, pledging their love to the ground. Lonely but free I'll be found. Drifting along with the tumbling tumbleweed. Now, I don't know if you've caught the story yet, but that night, the young cowboy and the old guy, they bonded together. The next day, they're riding out to catch up with the herd. And so now the young guy is trying to pick the old man's mind to get a little bit of the uh, wisdom that he has. And he asked him this. He said, have you ever been in love? And the old cowboy stops and he looks up in the sky. He says, I've been in love once. The young cowboy, he looks at him and he says, well, he says, well, I was bringing the herd in from Abilene. He said, some strays took out and I rode up after the strays and about that time I caught the sight of a farm girl plowing the field. She, was, she bent over to remove a rock and the setting sun silhouetted her there. He says, and when I saw her, he said, I fell in love. I've been in love once. And the young boy, he thinks about that for a minute. He said, well, what did you do? He said, I turned my horse and I rode away. And the young cowboy thought about this for a minute. He said, man, he said, that's wrong. He said, that was my choice. The young cowboy then says to him, he said, man, I could have never done that. He said, that may have been the love of your life. And the old man said, that is the love of my life to this day. And he said, I, I couldn't have done that. And the old cowboy looked at him and he said, son, that was your choice. I made my choice. That would be your choice. And they rode around, kept going, uh, heading back to the herd. And the old man now looks at the young guy and he asked him this question. He said, do you know the secret of life? They stopped their horses and stunned. The young guy looks at him. He says, no, I've not heard of the secret of life. And the old man raises up one finger, like it's pointing to heaven. He said, the secret of life is one thing. The young guy looks at him and says, what is it? And the old man with just a grin, got a cigarette hanging out the corner of his mouth, ashes burned halfway down. The old man with a grin just says, that's for you to figure out the secret of life. When Jesus came in teaching, he turned water into wine. The next, very next day, he walks into the temple. And there in the temple, he called it that time, he said, this is my father's house. There in the temple, he looked and they were selling sheep and they were selling goats and they were changing money. And he he'd said that he made a small cord and he ran the sheep and the goats out and he had turned over the money changers tables and he said get these doves out of here he said you've turned my father's house into a den of merchants well that night 
In chapter 3, that night, it says that very same day, that night, a man called Nicodemus comes to Jesus. He comes up, talks to the disciples, says, I must see the master, I must see the rabbi. And they lead him now to Jesus, and Jesus now, he stands there in front of Christ, stands there in front of Jesus, stands there in front of the Son of God. And he says, Rabbi, you must be sent from God or you wouldn't do these things and you couldn't do these things and you couldn't have turned water into wine. You couldn't have done these things unless you're from God. And Jesus doesn't even let him tell his part, speak any longer. Jesus looks at him and he says this one thing. He says, Nicodemus, in order for you to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Nicodemus is thrown back. It's like, what on earth are you talking about? Can I enter in a second time into my mom and be born? Uh, Jesus, that makes no sense to me at all. And Jesus says, Nicodemus, aren't you the teacher of Israel? Aren't you the one who knows all of the Scripture? Aren't you the one who should be teaching others? And Nicodemus goes, how can it be? And Jesus said, you must be born again. And he says, Jesus, I think, probably says, remember back, Nicodemus. Think about it, Nicodemus. It's been the promise forever that a time was going to come and I was going to do away with the old covenant. I was going to do away with the law and I was going to bring something new. You see, from the very beginning, every year at Passover, they would shed the blood of a lamb that would take away the sins of the nations for a year. But Jesus, John the Baptist said of Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Nicodemus, you should know these things. And I'm sure Nicodemus, and I'm sure Jesus was probably uh, indicating to him. Think about Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 37. Now I'm just going over some scriptures, so you go home and read these scriptures. Ezekiel chapter 37, and God now, the Lord now speaks to Ezekiel. He says, Ezekiel, what do you see? And he looks out across a valley, a great valley, and what does he say? I see bones, Lord, I see bones, Lord. Bones of a multitude, bones filling a valley. And the Lord says, speak to the bones, Ezekiel. And Ezekiel speaks to the bone and all of a sudden rattles and shaking and bones to bones and, and flesh. And these, all of a sudden the house of Israel stands up on their feet. He says, what do you see, Ezekiel? And Ezekiel says, I see men standing, but there's no life in them. They're dead, but they stand. And this is what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, you've got to be born of the Spirit of the living God. You've got to have the Holy Spirit in you. You see, what we did, we lost something. When Adam, God only said to Adam and Eve, He said this one thing. He said, I'm going to give you everything, Adam. Everything that is, is yours, except for one thing. One thing. It's not yours. It's that tree in the midst of the garden that bears the fruit. Of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. Everything is yours, but don't take that one. Leave that one alone. That's my tree. At that point, Adam and Eve dwelt with God, body, soul, and spirit. God came down and every day spoke to them in the cooler day. The spirit of the living God spoke to the spirit of man, and they were one. But when Adam and Eve broke their relationship with God, the flesh died. Now, the flesh didn't die. The flesh got strong, but the Spirit of the living God died in their heart. And that's the course of mankind today. We're looking for the secret of life. Jesus now is talking to Nicodemus about the secret of life. The Lord said to Ezekiel, He said, Ezekiel, speak to the wind. 
Ezekiel, speak to the breath. Ezekiel, speak to the ruach, if you will, the pneuma, if you will. Speak to the very spirit of the living God. It says for the spirit now to come into these. And all of a sudden, but not being dead men standing, the wind began to blow and the spirit of God entered into these people's lives and they became alive again, born again. This is what he said in Ezekiel chapter 36. He said, I'll put a new heart in you and I'll put a new spirit in you. You see, we as Christians... We have the opportunity to, to know the secret of life. We have the opportunity to live the secret of life where the outside world, the rest of the world, they do not. And we don't have to live like the rest of the world lives. God made us in His image, body, soul, and spirit. Now I want you to think about this for just a moment. And I want you to kind of maybe... Put this over here and you remember watching old cartoons with a devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other. But God spoke to us in, Gen I mean in uh, Galatians chapter 5. And so I, I want you to kind of put this together in your mind. And I'm going to read this. It says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest are these. It's a long list. starts off, it says, adultery, uh, hatred, variance, wrath, strife, sedition, heresy, envy, and murder, drunkenness, reviling. It says, man, hatred and murder is in the heart of man. And some of the times, that's where we live. We have that nature still with us. We pick that up at Adam. But when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior... God now gives us the spirit of the living God to live within us. He has made us body, soul, and spirit. Now think about this for a minute. We have a body. This is where I express myself, if you will. This is where I go my way. This is where I go do the things I do. And, uh, and a lot of times I'll get angry or mad or things like that. And, and I feed my soul with that. That's my body. My soul is who I am. It is my emotion. It's my heart. It's my desires. It's my life. It's the, it's the person that flows out of this body that I live in. But yet there's another part that has come alive to us when we're born again. And that's called the spirit of the living God. And now let me just tell you, show you what, this, what it says that the spirit has. But the fruit of the spirit are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And so the part of us that now comes from God and the part of us that will go back to be with God. Listen, these things that flesh will not go into heaven. They will get burned up and washed away. Only the things that are of the Spirit will go transform, transcend this world and go on to be in heaven. And that is love, peace, joy. If you were to ask somebody today, anybody off the street, and you would say, what is the one thing that you want? They would start on this list right here. Oh, this is what I want. I'd like to have love and peace and joy in my heart. But you can only have love, peace, and joy in your heart is if you have been born again, if you have, if you will, an understanding of the secret of life. This last week, I was looking on a Facebook post of a friend who used to go to church here, uh, Rick uh, Stainbrook, Stainbrook. And uh, so if you get this, Rick, uh, you'll <laughs> this is a conversation that, that we had and that, that uh, was across your Facebook page. And he had said something about, I think, probably politics or something like that. And the first post comment that came up under that was a cousin of Shiloh's, his wife. 
And he started his comment like this, I am an atheist. And from that point, he went on to just rant on about uh, how he hated, how he, listen, how he hated uh, the president and, and things like that. And I thought about that for a minute. I thought, you know, uh, these people don't know me. So I could tag in on this post and make a comment and because Rick can't say anything because Rick's next comment under that was simply, hey, but we can still be friends. We don't have to argue. We don't have to fight about this. Can we still be friends? And I thought, you know, this, 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 this man doesn't know me, so I can just pipe right in. And so I did. <clears throat> and so here's a question I asked him and comment to him as a response. I said, if it could be proven that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and He died on the cross for your sins and the sins of the world, would you believe in Him and become a Christian? Well, pretty quick after that, I got the response. And here was what the response was. No. Probably not. And I thought, you know, at that point, there's no sense arguing. I need to get over here, right here in the Spirit, and love, peace, and joy is all that this man needs to hear about because that will lead him to Christ. He said, probably not. But then he went on to say this. He said, if Santa Claus was true, I wouldn't have to buy those blankety, blank, blank, blank gifts. And so Rick, of course, is watching all of this, our conversation, and he sends me a private message that explains who he is and that... Uh, and I said, well, let's just pray for him. I said, this is a good, it's a good guy. I mean, his eyes. And so I just sent him one more post. I said, man, keep your eyes open because God will probably speak to you along the way. Last week, I, uh, I went to the, have my uh, checkup. And so I've got to admit how old I am. I was 66 last year, but I never admitted to being 66. I don't like the number 66. So for the whole year last year, I said I was 67. I just went ahead and bumped a year up. So now this year, honestly, I am 67. <laughs> so I'm accepting that. So I'm telling you, I'm 67. So anyway, I go to my doctor, Dr. Haney. And part of being now this old is I'm on Medicare now. And so you have a thing that's called welcoming to Medicare that the nurse goes over with you every year. And what she's trying to find out is if you're having one of these moments, you know, you know, how are you mentally? And so she starts asking me some questions and I forget what most of them were. It's like, do you have a shower? Uh, at your shower, do you have a mat so you won't slip? Do you have like a fire extinguisher in your house? Uh, do you have the knives in a safe place? You know, some really stupid questions. And then she asked me this question. She said, okay, she says, I've got another one for you. She said, count by threes backwards from 20. And I went, count backwards from 20 by threes. And I'm going, man, why don't let's do this from 21? Uh, this seems like it'd be easier for me. She said, no, the question's right here. Count backwards from 20 by threes. And I'll tell you what, I don't have the swiftest mind in the world. It's, so, it is slow. And so I had to, I said, may I ask you one question? She said, sure, ask the question. I said, does it include the number 20? She said, well, of course it includes the number 20. I said, well, the number's, then the answer is 18. She looked at me, she, she said, the number's not 18. I said, well, then let me ask you that question again. Does it include the number 20? 
She said, of course it includes the number 20. And so I went 20, 19, 18, 18. And she looked at me and she said, I've been doing this for years. No one has ever done that before. I said, well, the correct answer is 18 if it's inclusive of the number 20. And so she kind of shakes her head and like, you missed that one, it's 17. 17, 14, whatever, 17, 14, 11, 8, 5, 2. And so, the <laughs> she said, so the next question was, she asked me this. She said, who's the president? I said, well, I said, it's the man I voted for and, and you voted for and who you'll vote for again and I'll vote for again. And boy, did that ever set her off. She said, I hate the man. I despise the man. I did not vote for the man, and I will never vote for the man. Now, that's up at my doctor's office. And I said, uh, well, then may I ask you a question? She said, go ahead. And I said, why do we have a government? Why was the United States government uh, formed? And so she's, she's going like, okay, you, you tell me, why do we have a government? Well, the government is formed to secure I said, I'm talking to the nurse. I said, the government is, this is a crazy thing to be talking in a doctor's office. She's supposed to be taking my temperature. She said that, so I said, the government was formed in the United States to secure liberty for us and our children, for the founders and the children. For, that would be for us and our children. The only reason we have a government in the United States is to secure liberty for us and our children. And... Those liberties are pretty well spelled out as life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I just said, out of all of the field that's running out there this year, how many people stood for life? And I said, you know, it was only one person that stood for life, and that was the president that we have right now. Well, that set her off. And so, where I'm trying to go with this message, that we all have a choice to make. I either choose to, to work in the spirit of the living God, love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, patience. Or I can go on the other side and I can be in wrath and hatred and meanness and anger and murder. Because you hear people say like, man, he cut me off in traffic. I feel like I'm going to kill him. Well, listen, that's, that's living in the flesh. So what I'm trying to say today is the secret of life for us after we are born again is to decide that we want to live in the spirit life. But you see, they're both available to us now. Now, in Romans chapter 7, and I, have, I, love, listen, I love Romans chapter 7 probably as much as I do chapter 8. But let me read a few verses right here. It says, For that thing which I do I allow not, but that which I would I, that I do not, but that that I hate that that I do. For I know that it is in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing, for, for the will is present with me, but how to perform it, uh, that which is good I find not. The good that I would do, I do not, but the evil which I would not do, that I do. And he, and he just cries out, Lord, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Because see, now Paul, he's realizing he has both spirits in him, the flesh and the spirit, the spirit of the living God and the spirit of this world, the flesh. And now he sees that there are a battle. But he, then he says this, he says, but I find that in me, that sin that's in me is no longer me, but it's the, it's the flesh that lives in me. You see, and this is what I'm trying to say today. The secret of life is knowing which, way, which one you're in. You get to choose, just like that old 
Old cowboy says, well, that was my choice. The young cowboy said, well, this will be my choice. Nicodemus was going like, this is my choice. And Jesus is saying, no, your choice should be heaven. The young man says, I, I, I want to go to heaven. And Jesus said, well, you, then you've got a choice. Sell everything. He said, well, that's not my choice. We have a choice to make. Do we live in the Spirit? Paul right there, he says, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And then he says, but I thank God through our Lord Jesus Christ who has delivered me, has delivered me. Read a few verses in chapter 8. It says, therefore, this is, this is where we're at right now. Therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Listen, who walk not after the flesh, but they walk after the Spirit. For they that are in the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit do mind the things of the Spirit. For to be carnal-minded is death, but to be spiritual-minded is life and peace. You see, I really need to just dedicate this. Dedicate this to my family, to my wife, to my children. Because they see me in all of my flaws. I have to look at the camera right now and say, Debbie, I have lived in the flesh too often and not in the Spirit. But I'm trying to see it when I'm in the flesh and trying to say, I don't want to dwell there. I was telling a, a friend uh, just yesterday, I said, I, I placed this in my mind. There's two roads to take. One road leads nowhere. The other road leads to where I want to go. And so that's why I use the number 287 on everything I got because Highway 287 takes me to Colorado. And Highway 287 takes me to the mountains and it takes me elk hunting. It takes me to Montana and crosses me into Canada. And so I just say, that's the road I want to take. I want to take the road that leads to the Spirit-filled life. I want to take the road that leads me to the secret life. So those that are after the flesh cannot please God. But you're not after the flesh, but you're, at, but you're in the Spirit. So be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. If we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if through the Spirit you do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you are not, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now get a hold of this, 16. For the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Amen. How do you know you're saved? The Spirit of the living God bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. And if children, heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, so be that we suffer with Him, that we also may be glorified with Him. That's living in the Spirit. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. You know, I was telling a friend here just yesterday, I said, Josh has been talking about the last couple of weeks, that yes, God may give you more than you can handle. And say so you've got to scratch your head about that a little bit. If you're in the Spirit, if you've got a hold of the secret of life, God may give you more than you can handle, but He hasn't ever given you more than His Spirit can handle if His Spirit is in you. There is no way. We've seen men face death and be happy to die because they had the Spirit of the living God in them and they knew it. For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. Who shall condemn? 
It is Christ that died, but rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ, shall tribulation, shall distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. For it is written, we are killed all the day long. We are counted like sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities or powers or things present or things that come nor heights nor death nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. God has given us a path. It's the path of the flesh. And the old man, that's, that's the only path we know how to take. You turn on the news and it's hatred and bitterness and wrath and murder. On the other hand, he's given us the spirit of the living God, the part that will go into eternity with God, which is love, peace, and joy. It's our choice. If you want to know the secret of life, it's one thing. It's your choice. You get to make it each and every day. If you'll look and see how you walk and say, I don't want to be there. I want to walk in the spirit of the living God in love, peace, and joy. I think that would be the secret of life. I was putting this together and my little grandson Jake the other day came and we sat there in the truck and he began to sing a song to me. And so I don't know how, the, how we're going to close this today, but this is what's been on my heart. And it's simply a few little words. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation. I'm an heir of God. How do you know you're an heir? Man, if you're, you're an heir, you, you, you take part in it. Heir of salvation, purchased of blood. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. Oh, this is my story. This is my song. One of the things that our Constitution says, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. If you remember the sermons the last couple of weeks, Josh talked about blessedness. The other word for blessedness is happiness. The pursuit of blessedness is what God has given us. I seek after that. The pursuit of God's blessedness. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Bless your church. Jesus is mine. salvation. Purchase of God, born of His Spirit, washing His blood. This is my story, this is my song.
Okay.